They don't understand, they don't understand I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam And we gon' serve the one that's from up above And they gon' know it's us by the way we love All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water Family, 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 Christ died one time for my Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and two dads, as well as the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. I have with me, as always, my man, Norm, the master's dog, Dunham. What's up, brother? What's going on? Glad to have you. And we have a special guest this week. Andrew, the super sleuth, Son Krant from Coltish. Glad to have you on, man. Thanks, bro. You didn't give them your nickname, though, Dusty. What, what is my nickname? D-Master Flex, bro. D-Master Flex. Master of them biceps, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and we and we got uh, Andrew from the original ho- holistic start of Reform Dance, who was originally Andrew High School T. Son Krant. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> He's got a high school T right. on today, which I'm loving, the Theology yeah. Pubcast, which yep. is awesome. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so we're excited to have you on. Uh, Real quick, I just want to say thank you to all of the Patreon supporters. We appreciate you guys for supporting us and the ministry that we have going. Um, You know, the reason that we do this is because I believe that in our nation, the reason that the way things are the way that they are is because men have failed to lead their families properly. And that's what we wanted to do with this podcast is uh, go towards men and equip them to lead their families biblically. And, you know, we do a book study that we're going to be starting Vody Bauckham's book, Family Driven Faith, here in just about a week. So if you want to jump on, be part of our book study, join our community, you can go to patreon.com slash reformdads. We'd love to have you in our community and join on up. But besides that, let's get started. This week's episode, we wanted to discuss uh, having Andrew on and being from cultish. We wanted to talk about the importance of reaching the cults Mm. and also the importance of training up our children to identify false gospels, different cults, and how to uh, evangelize and point them out. Because you drive, you know, here in in Utah, we drive through our community and there's wards all over the place and they look a lot like churches. And your children might be like, well, what's that church? And we're able to point out to them and say, that's not a real church. That's a a false church. Um, That's a ward for Mormons, and they preach a false gospel. And we can get more into that. But Norm, I'd like to start off with you, man. You had uh, an interesting week this week uh, here in Utah. You went to... uh, I'll let you you tell us what you did and what happened. So Saturday, the Satanic Temple, which... Who knew they even had a satanic temple here in Utah? Um, Just fair warning, don't go look for them on Facebook because I did this morning. I looked at their their Facebook page and their they have an entire like segment of I'm assuming they're fairly new because all the pictures are like this demonic, satanic baptism stuff. Uh, of all the people joining the satanic temple. So, and they don't even believe that, correct? Right. They're not, they're not even true followers of Satan. 
Right. True. The, the beliefs of what they are is they don't truly believe in Satan. They just, I don't know. It's so confusing. Andrew knows about that. that. Yeah. He knows some about that. I mean, yeah, Andrew would know far more on that because I mean, they've done uh, episodes uh, on cultish of the beliefs of the satanic temple, but so they held a rally apparently in 2019, they did a fundraiser for this rally for quote unquote reproductive rights, which really just means we want to murder babies. And so because of COVID, they never held it in 2020. So now <laughs> 2021, they were like, well, we got all this money. I guess we're supposed <laughs> to do use something it for with this it. rally. Yeah. So when I was out there, a lot of the people I talked to weren't even from the state of Utah. The majority of the people I talked to were from like Texas and California. Wow. And some people traveled in for that, huh? Right. I mean, they were bussing them in apparently to, to get a crew big enough. Um, one guy commented on my Facebook page. I had made a couple of posts about it. And one of the Satanists somehow got to my post and posted a picture of himself on a horse, something about being a knight and, you know, ride for Satan and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, clown. Sounds like um, some Ku Klux Klan uh, something. I'm like, I'm like, this is the result of decades of sitting in grandma's basement, playing video games and watching internet porn. That's yes. what it is. I mean, yeah. literally this guy is, he's got to be in his late forties, early fifties. I'm sure he's single and, you know, he, he's out there trying to be a knight. And, and, you know, I'm like, you are literally showing the world your disconnect with reality because of this. So we went out there. There was a couple of different pro-life groups out there. Utah Patriots, Utah's voice of for the voiceless was out there. Chris and, and Kelly were out there and then a few other people from them and then a couple other groups that showed up to counter protest. So, of course, I got there and walked up and, you know, to kind of have a conversation with some of the the Satanists. And my approach to them, you know, is in like evangelism or whatever, um, is very much different than what I would do in approaching Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or anything like that. Um, And maybe it was just because going out there because of what they were there for and so on, I was just angry. So I didn't even go through the gospel the way I would with, with, you know, any other cult, um, where, you know, Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin. I just went out there and my initial reactions were you're here mocking God. And I don't, I'm not even going to tell you about the, the love of Christ and the gospel and what he did on the cross. You need to, you need to meet the, the Jesus that they talk about in revelations, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who's coming back with his name written on his side, robe dipped in the blood of his enemies, God will not be mocked. And I basically went out there with with a message of you are actively carrying yourselves to hell because of what you're doing here today. And then, you know, that did transmit, uh, you know, transition into some gospel conversations with a couple of people. But with the majority of them, it was just you're a coward. You're, you know, come to Jesus. Your arguments are flawed. You're an idiot. You're, these are the, you. <laughs> you will face Christ on the day, whether you believe him in him or not. There's one clip on the live video. One of the girls was. I kept trying to to talk about, you know, God's justice and and so on. And and she's like, well, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. I said, go stand out in the middle of that street and don't believe in trucks. Yeah. It's not going to make any difference. It doesn't do you any good not to believe in it when it's reality. Yeah. And so, and then it did, you know, I had one really good gospel conversation with the young girl and a guy. 
I was wearing my Wrath and Grace shirt, uh, the original Planned Parenthood. So it's got a picture of Molech and child sacrifice going on on it. And he looked at it and he's like, he's like, I just figured out what your shirt was. He goes, I really like it. Where can I get one? I was like, I don't remember where I got it. He's like, I got 20 bucks. I'm like, dude, I'll give it to you. Uh. I'll give you my shirt. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I, I recognize the fact that you think it's cool for a whole different reason. But the reality is, is it's an anti-abortion shirt. It is, t- it is showing the reality that Planned Parenthood and abortion is just child sacrifice. So for whatever reason you want to wear it, I will give it to you if you will wear it. And he was so happy. And I just took my shirt off my back, handed it to him, shared the gospel with him and the other girl. And then that was pretty much it. And I was mm. out. So that's where the, the, the statement on my, the post on my Facebook was things I never thought I'd say. I gave my anti-abortion shirt to a Satanist. <laughs> wow. I had a satanic rally for reproductive right. rights. In, so, in, that was in parentheses. Exactly. So, so Andrew, why don't you, since you uh, know a lot about this area, um, you know, tell us those who go to the satanic temple, kind of your studies and what you've seen. And it's more so a cultural thing, mm-hmm. right? More so atheist or agnostic. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you just a little quick lowdown on them. So there's the satanic church and there's the satanic temple. A lot of people get the two confused. The satanic church follows the teachings of Anton LaVey. That's their canon. That's their scripture. The satanic temple does not. You can have whatever canon essentially that you want. The satanic temple exists to try to protect rights of individuals, quote unquote, uh, through religious practices. So the okay. satanic temple has their religious uh, abortion ritual to where you look in a mirror and you quote and you say these things to make abortion a religious practice to have uh, protection for it. So that's okay. the satanic temple kind of exists in that realm. Right? Okay. So they'll do things and uh, they'll have mocking beliefs or whatnot, but typically it's full of agnostics and atheists. But the funny thing is, though, as we know as Christians, that no, they do actually worship something. Yeah. Right? They're just products of a debased mind, but what they actually worship is showing up in the fruit of what they're doing. Sure. So I would argue uh, essentially that no, they do worship uh, Satan and his fa- their father is the devil. Yeah. Uh, but they ha- they worship the, the strong man who is now bound and that yeah. the gospel is going forth and crushing the heads of the enemies. So yeah. that's just a quick distinction. Okay. So essentially they're worshiping themselves, right? They're worshiping a God that they've created, which is satanic. Yeah. Right. So, so they've been handed over um, and they're fighting for human rights and they're using the shield of uh, Satan worship so that they can continue and say, this is a religious practice. This is a religious practice. You can't stop that because right. I have religious freedom. Right. Okay. So that's the, that's the satanic temple. temple. Yeah. Now the satanic church is actually, uh, following the teachings of who? Anton LaVey. Anton so LaVey. He was the, the man who wrote, uh, their canon that they follow their scripture. I forget exactly what the scripture is called, but, um, uh, I think it's like the Satanic Bible. Okay, is what it's Satanic Bible. Yeah, it's the yeah. Satanic Bible, and um, yeah, so they'll they'll ha- they have their own order of worship. They do sacrifices. They do you know things of that nature. That's the okay. Satanic Church. Okay, so Norm, as you were interacting out there on the streets, is is this what you um, noticed from them that you're you're more so getting like I'm not following Satan. I'm just an atheist and I'm an idiot. 
Basically. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing the, the couple of people that I did talk to were like, well, you know, we don't really worship Satan. And I'm like, well, I know, understand that. I know that you're, you claim to be atheist, you work underneath this flag, but you've made yourself God. Right. And that was, that was one co conversation that I had with a young lady about, you know, because she kept trying to talk about, you know, the baby is not a human and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it absolutely is a human. And you're exercising your quote unquote godhood over that baby by choosing whether or not that baby gets to live. No, I'm choosing with my no, if that were the choice, you would be the one to die. Right. If it's your body, your choice, you mm. would be the one dying because it would be your yeah. body. Uh, it's the baby's body with no choice. Right. And you are putting yourself in the place of God to determine whether or not that baby lives or dies. Yes. And that's the way idol worship works anyways. It's not necessarily that they're worshiping the idol. They're worshiping what the idol can do for them. Mm, How does right. that idol serve them? It's not about Baal. It's not about Satan. It's not about... Uh, the idol is the physical thing that they've created or even the spiritual thing that they've created, but really it's all about how that idol can serve them, the God of self, right? So this idol they've created is serving themselves and giving them reproductive rights, as they call it, the right to murder a child. And I want to just point out, I'm calling them idiots because anybody who advocates for the murder of innocent children is a fool, Right. First off, they know, right. and, and a fool is is not someone who's um, ignorant. A fool is someone who knows the truth, but they decide not to in their stupidity. So that's why I'm saying they're idiots. They're they haven't right. done the research. They're repeating arguments, um, and they haven't haven't looked into it at all or even thought about it. So. Right. So, so that was your interaction. I saw, I saw some of those interactions. I watched a few of them, uh, seemed, you know, the normal conversations. And for anybody who's done abortion ministry, we know that their arguments are not well thought out. And the basic Christian who knows the, just the foundation of Christianity and the gospel can dispel a lot of these arguments. But let's talk about now in preparing to uh, reach the cults uh, out there, you know, obviously LDS, Mormonism out here in Utah, Jehovah's Witness, all different cults all over the world. Maybe we can talk about foundationally how we can prepare as Christians, um, one, to reach the cults, and, and two, to prepare our families to spot false doctrine, false teaching. You want to talk about that a little bit, Andrew? Yeah, I think it all goes hand in hand, you know, to minister at the abortion mill, uh, to go and speak to people who are in the cults. All of it revolves around your knowledge of who God is, how are you saved, right? Mm -hmm. So essentially we have a saying uh, in cultish that uh, I believe it was coined by Walter Martin. It says a counterfeit predicates the reality of an authentic Right. But right. in order to understand what a, a counterfeit is, you must be very knowledgeable of the authentic. And so I'll use an analogy essentially to, for, for example, when someone goes to work at a bank and they want them to see and understand what a counterfeit $100 bill is, they don't just give them a piece of paper that lists every way that could be counterfeit. No, they take them to where the money's being made or being printed. They make them hold it, taste it, feel it, that, that $100 bill, right? Put it up to the light. 
And when a counterfeit comes in, you can touch it with your hands. You touch it and you know it's a counterfeit. Yeah. Right. Why? Because you're so knowledgeable about what the authentic hundred dollar bill feels like. So with regards to the Bible, uh, we need to know what the Bible says about who God is, who is Jesus, right? And how are you saved? Because the Bible defines those terms. It's not man who defines those terms. Every uh, cult or offshoot of a group that claims to have knowledge claims in where are you going? Why are you here? Why do you exist? They have to distort what the Bible says. They go, this is what the Bible says. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. Every cult leader, right? Or any person who is leading a group where they're trying to give you a transcendent meaning to life, that meaning that it's something that you, uh, you're being told other than your immediate experience, right? Uh, they say, sanctify them by the truth. My word is truth. Mm. Right? The so cult leader two, says that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's two different standards at play, essentially. Yeah, and you can see that, obviously, in what Joseph Smith said. said, that is not truth. They said, that is not truth. This is truth. My word is truth. My word is truth. The, right. the Bible it tells you one thing, but actually... My word is what is true, and I'm going to clarify the Bible for you and tell you what it means. I'm going to distort the truth with my truth. So it's always a distortion of truth, just like what Satan did in the garden, right? Exactly. In in deceiving Adam and Eve, he took what God said and he distorted it, right? Yep. That's that's 110% what it is. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, using the analogy of the bank, it's the same way with the secret service. They're taught how to recognize the authentic and knowing the authentic, you are able to identify the counterfeits. And so, as you know, Andrew was saying, our, how we prepare our families, how we prepare ourselves to recognize the cults and those who are, you know, twisting God's word we have to know what God's word says. Amen. We have to know what the Bible says about Jesus and who he is, that he is the second person of the triune God. And then when we know that, when someone comes and says, well, Jesus isn't really God, he's you know, Michael the archangel, we can go, uh, pump the brakes there, buddy. That's yeah. not what the Bible says. Amen. So again, knowing that authentic reality of what God's word is, that's how we prepare to to engage with those who would pervert God's word. Yeah. Think, think of this too, for, for example, like when we want to train our children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, we want them to be able to think for themselves. We don't hand them a resource guide on the cults and say, these are all the differences. Yeah. Right. No. When you train them to read the Bible and understand God's word, God's word transforms the mind and allows them to actually think for themselves with clarity so they can distinguish between right and wrong. So when they're in a conversation, if they're in a conversation with a cult member, they've never actually understood, uh, you know, what this person in this cult believes just by the conversation, like uh, Norm was stating someone going, well, no, Jesus was a created being. Jesus, well, actually isn't the eternal God. All of a sudden they can just think for themselves without having a resource guide and saying, well, no, the Bible actually says this about Jesus. Right. Yes. And, um, I think what we're saying too, that's important is the found there's foundational things in the gospel, in the word of God that we can really, uh, wrench down on that will easily point out counterfeits. And as you said, how are we saved and who is God, 
right? That is the two things that cults will always distort. Um, they will always distort, you know, they will, you'll, they'll add works. They'll add works to save by grace, uh, through faith. They'll add, uh, Jesus is not the eternal God. He's the son of God. He's the brother of the devil, or he's, uh, the archangel Michael, or they'll say, um, you need Jesus plus this plus that it's <laughs> yep. always plus this right yep. Yep. the religions of man are easily pointed out because they are usually an action based religion yes you yes god will get you this far but take a step over the line by your actions right by your deeds so we can hunker down on teaching our children those two main factors if we need to begin somewhere who is god how are we saved? Um, right. Let's talk about some of those scriptures that we can um, like really start out with, with our children and our families, um, the gospel message to um, help our children point out counterfeits. Yeah. So for example, I'll just take the catechism. I think the catechism is an excellent way to train your children up to answer questions. I mean, that's what the catechism is for. What's the first catechism question? Who is the first and best of beings? Answer, God is the first and best of beings. Isaiah 44, 6, I'm the first, I'm the last. Beside me, there is no God. Boom. Yes. In that specific catechism question, you've already denounced Mormonism. You've already denounced Jehovah's Witnesses. You've already denounced many different cults just by the question itself. Yes. Right? right. I mean, that's what the catechism is for, to train our children up. But I think we've lost that uh, within the, mo I think I'd say within the last 120 years, at least in modern United States of America, a catechism is something that's so foreign in other than reformed churches. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Catholic church is doing catechism. They got that right. Except they got the gospel wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But, but yeah, so that's a good point. So catechism, mm -hmm. right. Um, we have a specific catechism that we go through even at our church. Uh, Apologia Church has put together a catechism, something that we do, or a confessional church. So we go through that every week. Um, maybe you can recommend, uh, I know there's different catechisms out there that people can go through. There's some that are specifically for kids. Yeah. Um, well, we're 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith people. So I would say uh, Desiring God has a really good catechism. You yeah. can go there. Uh, if you're a, if you're um, a pedo Baptist, you can go to the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith. You can use right. the catechism there. I mean, yeah. it just depends as long as it's Orthodox Christianity and you got yeah. a good catechism there, just go ahead and use right. it. New City Catechism is a, a good one. It's one we use with Opal because it, it separates, it has it has the answers for adults, but it also breaks down into a smaller memorized answer for kids. Oh, nice. um, and then the great thing I love about New City is it also has songs that go along. There's a, there's a, the four albums that were put out um, of just these songs that go right along with it to help Opal to memorize the different questions and answers. So nice. that's the one that I, that we use with Opal is new city. Um, you know, and, and I, I say new city because it was produced before the gospel coalition and Tim Keller and them started going a little nuts. Was that, is that sung by Michael Buble still? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Mariah Carey, I forgot. There we go. Yeah. No, but yeah, that's right. that's that's been huge for my children, um, you know, catechism. And, you know, you may think like, man, these catechism questions are just like 
too long of an answer for my children. But man, you would be surprised. Kids soak up knowledge and memorization because their minds are not distracted by the so many things that we have as adults, right? We're right. thinking about so many different things at once. But like kids, I mean, my kids, after repeating these things a few times, like they can, they got it down and I don't even remember it that quickly, but they're, they're not, (laughs) their minds are different uh, than mine, you know, thinking about all of the different things, thinking about what's going to happen in the future and what has happened. Our kids are very much in the moment with where their brain development is. Yeah. Um, so catechism is huge. Go get yourself, uh, go find yourself online, a, ca- a catechism for your kids. We do it, uh, at breakfast in the morning, you know, we, we eat and then ask our kids a catechism question and, and read some scripture, but, uh, just do that once a day. Don't make it a big deal. Um, and just plod away, continually doing that day after day and don't feel rushed by it. And it's just a, you know, a few minutes and continue to do that and they will soak it up. And, and I, I want to hit on the reason why we want our children to read the word of God is because if you get into a conversation with a cult member, nine times out of 10, the way they're determining truth is through their emotions and through their feelings. Right. Yeah. Right. But what the word of God does is it trains your children not to just follow their feelings and emotions. Right. It trains them to do what God's word says right right so it's like oh i'm gonna i really want to hit my brother right now well actually hold on god says i should love my neighbor as myself my brother's my family i should not hit him because i shouldn't god doesn't want me to do that my parents tell me i shouldn't do that as well and i should honor my father and mother right so i'm telling you nine times out of ten you get into a conversation with someone who's in a cult it's because what they do is they have a feeling they prayed about something right and the feeling that they have is that the bible has been corrupted. Yeah. And now there's another standard that's going to be put in place because they've had some type of experience that determines truth. Yeah. That's exactly how the Jehovah's Witnesses work. Uh, I can remember having an uh, older Jehovah's Witness come to my door and he came, I invited him inside and he was like, he opened the Bible and the first thing he said is, look, they've taken Jehovah's name out of the Bible if they've taken his name out of the Bible, what else have they taken out of the Bible? So he wanted me, first off, to doubt God's word. Right. That was the first thing he had me to do. So he said, if they've taken God's word out of it, what else have they taken out of it? And his next thing was handing me a pamphlet right. that, that talks about the, the name of God, uh, the importance of a name. Uh, and it was interesting I know that was his common spiel everywhere he went. That's how he started. That was how his communication was. Um, But as soon as I started asking him some questions about who God is uh, and how uh, he is, how we are saved, he started to backpedal a bit. And that is exactly what he said. Well, this Bible has been corrupted. We can't trust it. He said, let me bring you a real Bible Mm. And and you and you can check this out and read it. So he left and he brought me back another Bible, and this, and it was a Bible put together by the LDS Church, New World Translation. No, it, no, it was actually a King James version. Was this a Jehovah's Witness or no? It was a guy? Jehovah's oh, Witness. Oh, oh okay. okay. But he brought me back a King James Bible put together by the LDS Church. 
by the LDS church? By the LDS church, yeah. A Jehovah's Witness. A Jehovah's wow. Witness. What so is he, going on? he was bringing me his real Bible. Okay. And he brought it in. And the scriptures that I pointed him to um, were Hebrews 1 8, where God tells the, the angels to worship Jesus. Yeah. And then I took him back to Luke, where it says, You shall worship the Lord your God only. So I open up, I open up his Bible. I say, okay. I opened it up. It was a King James version, so I knew it was going to be there. I opened it up. I said, "Here's the same scriptures right here," and he he had no answer for it. Um, and he actually ended up getting up and leaving. Um, but but that's exactly uh, the same thing that you said. Question what God's word say. The authenticity of it. He actually brought me back a Bible and showed him the same thing, and then he had no answer for it. And even to this day, I haven't heard from him. Um, but that that foundational thing, who is God? If we if we pound that into our kids, how are we saved? It's two easy points to focus on. Uh, you said Isaiah forty four six, uh, Isaiah four forty three ten. Um, those are, or if you even read Isaiah 40 to 48, you're going to see a lot about who God is. Right. Um, and then how are we saved? Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, the Mormon church, uh, would you want to tell us a little bit more? You're a little more versed in the, (laughs) the doctrines than I am as far as Um, Joseph Smith's teaching on uh, the truth about God and the truth about how right. we're saved. So as a Orthodox Christian, as someone who is a Bible believing, I would say we're saved purely by the work of Christ, the work of Christ alone, not sure. my own righteousness. Amen. It's Christ and what he had completed on the cross that makes me worthy to stand before the father that I will not get punishment because it was already placed on Christ at the cross, who's the perfect God who took on flesh and died on the cross for my sins, right? And for and for scriptures for that, you can go to Romans 3, yeah. read through the entire Romans 3 and 4, where it talks about Abraham and how yep. he was saved. Yep. Also Galatians 3, yep. uh, Ephesians 2. Yep. These are all, go, go to those chapters, mark those out, and actually memorize that so it's in your heart and it's ready to go. Yep. So just to do like a crash course, I guess, in LDS uh, theology, I'll start at the pre-existence. So there's Elohim, who they believe would be Heavenly Father. And this is more modern uh, Mormonism, right? And uh, Elohim had a son. He had two sons. He has many, many sons. I mean, we're all one of them from some heavenly mother. Yeah. But um, specifically, the first would be uh, Jesus, Jehovah, and then there's uh, Lucifer. And there was a plan in the pre-existence. And what it was, was... There's two separate plans. There was Lucifer's plan. He said, I'll make them all believe. I'll just make them believe. It kind of sounded like Calvinists in a sense, (laughs) but twisted, twisted and corrupted because uh, Joseph Smith obviously hated uh, the Presbyterians around him. But uh, there was also Jesus's plan that said, no, we'll give them free agency, which is the free will to choose. And Mm -hmm. in order to choose, they must choose what they believe, but then they must be obedient to the doctrine, covenants, the principles uh, that are in place that have been at place throughout all the time of eternal progression. So Elohim goes, Jesus, we love your plan. Lucifer, we don't like your plan. Lucifer is condemned. There's a war in heaven. Uh, one third side with Jesus another third sides with Lucifer. And then there's one third who are called the fence sitters who, uh, believed what Jesus said. They liked that plan, but they didn't actually were involved in the war. So, 
there's that one third is cast <laughs> down onto earth, which is uh, the, the devil and his demons. And then we have the other people who will then inhabit bodies, right? Spirit creatures. They're first spirit creatures in the pre-existence that are offspring of Elohim and his goddess wives. And then they will inhabit bodies to get free agency in order to believe in the gospel of Mormonism, quote unquote, and then be obedient to the uh, doctrine, ordinances, and principles in order to achieve salvation, which is essentially a glorified body in heaven of flesh and bone where you can procreate and have offspring. There you go. All so right. there, that's, yeah. that's the plan in, in a sense. So Jesus yeah. in Mormonism is not enough, right? The Jesus in Mormonism doesn't save you. It's your obedience to the doctrine, ordinances, and principles that saves you. That's why they have uh, 2 Nephi 25 or 2524, I always forget, 2523, 2524, for by grace you have been saved after all you can do, or Moroni 1032, which is love the Lord with all your might, mind, and strength, and then God's grace is sufficient for you. That's what it says in Moroni 1032. I like to go to that one because I think it's a little bit more in-depth than the second Nephi one. And if you want a perfect example of a man-made religion, look at Mormonism. Oh, yeah. Because a man-made religion constantly contradicts itself it's constantly changing and it's about all you can do yeah that is what man-made religions are about what you can do and it's constant contradictions yes yeah and you can walk through the history of mormonism and you can watch where joe the events that happened in joseph smith's life that caused his theology to evolve into the different things you know a baptist preacher came to his home one day and was talking to his mom and he had a brother, Alvin, I believe, that died in childbirth or early on. I don't think it was childbirth, but very young in his infancy. And this apparently this preacher was saying that because he wasn't baptized, that he wasn't wouldn't go to heaven. And this was a conversation that is talked about. I want to say it's either in uh, his mother's book or Dom Brody's book, one of those. But soon after that is when joseph came out with the doctrine of baptism for the dead Mm. he's like Mm -hmm. okay well if they're going to tell us that these people aren't in heaven because they died without being baptized or believers well i'm going to tell you that we can now baptize them after they're dead right and you can watch those things happen you can see where he went from being a trinitarian to being you know uh you know polytheistic and just the different things as his And the same thing, it goes along with like Islam too. You look back at history and see where through the the different writings in the Hadith, where um, Muhammad's theology changed, became more violent. And Joseph's same thing. His theology just evolves. And you were talking earlier about cults being on their feelings. Their idols evolve as their feelings evolve. A great uh, example of that is follow Jory Micah on twitter (laughs) to watch an evolving person as they continue to change their idol the god that they've created for themselves based upon their feelings there's no greater real-time example of that than jory micah and you've documented that in uh, some of your podcasts so you can even just go check out your podcast and learn a lot about that i literally do i literally do a live podcast every once in a while I do it live on YouTube, just a 10 minute thing or so called stupid things. Jory Micah says, 
That's awesome. Um, <laughs> you can you can check it out over on the Evangelical Norm YouTube channel. So so yeah, we're saying there's so there's many things that go awry in these cults. But if we stick to the foundational things, that should be our argument, right? Our argument is right. who is God and how are we saved? That's got to be the argument that we always come back to. Um, because if you have the wrong God, you have a God that cannot save. If you have the wrong gospel, you're going, like the Bible says, you're you're accursed. If you've added to this, uh, as Paul says, uh, anyone who adds to the law or tries to follow the law, um, added that to to the grace of God, you're anathema, yeah. right? Um, right? So those two things are the foundation and you there's so much there's so many scriptures um, that we can focus on and and really um, when you when you bring up Isaiah 4310 or Isaiah 44 6 about the nature of God or you point people to uh, Jesus being God from John 8 or uh, Matthew 28 John 1 John 1 John 1 Colossians yeah. 1 yeah I, every time I go out to the LDS during conference I preach John 1 1 through 18. Yeah, it, and that, and, that defeats so much of their their theology just in that one segment of scripture. Yep. Yep, and and instantly when you're communicating with them, um, you see the conversation changes from truth to feeling. Exactly. Yep. It, it changes from what the Bible says to what they feel. Right. I prayed about it, and the spirit revealed to me, or it's um, well the the bible has been corrupted it's missing many precious parts but see when you start bringing up other scriptures they agree with it yeah that's that's the truth that's the truth but as soon as you get to something they disagree with it well that's a corrupted part of scripture and that's something that we need to point out it's uh you have become the arbiter of truth because you're deciding what parts of the bible are true based on this other book or this other teaching. And now you're corrupting the word of God based on your beliefs. Yeah. So what, what, what you've said essentially is that they get their feelings to get them to believe that there's a standard now that has been given from a prophet or a revelator or a seer that is the lens through which that they should interpret the Bible. Right. So when you're having this conversation with the cultists, you want them to get to the point, number one, where they can actually hear the gospel in biblical terms because they speak Christianese. Number two, to go, okay, so we get to your feelings now, but how do you know that Joseph Smith was a true prophet? How do you know that the Watchtower Track Society correctly interprets the word of God? Well, the Bible already gives us tests of a prophet. Yeah. Right. And they hmm. should pass. They should pass these tests. Um, that's how I know. It's yeah. not my feelings that tell me, but it's actually God's objective standard of truth that tells me. Yes. Right? Because it's their feelings, yes, that they go to, but it's, well, then what are your feelings telling you is true? Right. Let's get to there. Now, let's test that because I'll give it to the LDS person. If they want to argue about modern uh, prophets or prophecy, I'm a, I'm a cessationist, number one, right? But I'm going to say, I'll give you that. I'll say, let's just just for S and G's, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know how to say it other than that, but just for S and G's. That's uh, soggy guts. Just for know. soggy guts. Uh, <laughs> I'll say that prophecy can happen today or there could be prophets today. Let's test by what the Bible says to determine whether they're a true or false prophet. Yeah. Let's go from there. Does Joseph Smith pass? 
He utterly fails. No. Does the Watchtower Track Society pass? They utterly fail. No. Yeah. Give me any modern day prophet, and I'm going to tell you they're going to utterly fail God's test of a prophet. Yes, and it's funny because their response to that will then be f- for the the errancy of the s- scriptures. Right? They'll they'll say that things have been lost. They'll say that uh, things have been corrupted in in the Bible. However, they will then at the same time claim the Bible as absolute truth and right. the parts that they agree with. Um, so, so in communicating with uh, cult members, something important to remember is don't allow them to bounce around to different places. Right. If you've come up, if you've given them truth and scripture, harp on that, harp on that truth, who God is, how we are saved have them answer those questions because what they will do is start bouncing around to all of these different yeah. things, trying to get you off track. But if you can focus on those two things, who is God, how are we saved, and continually bring them back to that, you'll see that their answers become emotion-based and you can point them to their inconsistencies. That's right, brother. So Norm, uh, yesterday, w- did you have... Did you have any of these arguments from, I guess they're not technically cult followers um, because they're just secular humanists using uh, satanic... They follow the cult of Darwinism. Exactly. They're they're still cultists. They've got their own cult that they follow. It's just, it's not actually a cult. It is a cult. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. So, so tell me uh, any, any you know, common idol worship or arguments that you were getting uh, from these people, um, something that you were hearing over and over again that exposes the God that they worship. Right. I mean, again, with, with any abortionist argument, it's always going to come to bodily autonomy is what, what they all want to talk about. That, you know, they go to the my body, my choice. Or, you know, they'll recognize that there's another body, but they can't invade in my space. And they, you know, all these different things. I've always used the fact I say that, you know, but the bodily autonomy argument is just a a twisting of real estate law. It's all you're doing is you're taking and you're saying my the woman's body is a piece of property and the baby can't uh, squat on that property. Um, They have the right to throw it out. And I'm like, literally, you're you're with that argument, bodily autonomy it's just, it's twisted real estate. Yeah. So, but then um, I'm trying to think of the other conversations that we had. Of course, I get from some, one girl kept just talking about how Christians, she was abused because she's gay and they don't love her and they don't support oh, her yeah. and yeah. so on. And so, you know, the argument of Christians are only pro-birth. Uh, they don't care about the baby <laughs> after it's born. And I'm like, you know, I was going through the whole thing. I'm like, you realize that the majority of foster parents are Christian. The majority of people who adopt are Christian. The majority of people who donate to charities that help mothers and babies are Christians. Yeah. This is, you know, and you're using us. And I'm like, I'm a living example of the fact that you are wrong because my in-laws adopted six children out of foster care, all of which will tell you that they would rather have been in the foster care system and adopted by a loving Christian family than dead and being dead. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, those are just always the same typical arguments. And what I kept doing with the different, cause 
you know, they're out there. They're just out there to talk about we want to kill at will when, you know, abortion on demand without apology. And so that's the conversation you're having. And I kept trying to turn it to the gospel, to the gospel. And so that was, that's always my intention is even though we're talking about this, I want to get you to understand that there's a bigger issue going on here that the Holy spirit can change your heart and turn the hearts of, of mothers to their children and not want to kill their baby in the womb by being saved, by recognizing all the other sin that they are going to be punished for if they don't repent and put their faith in Christ. So, but I mean, there was a lot of just really crazy arguments. I had one kid come talk to me, wanted to talk about, well, you know, there are a lot of innocent men in prison that are getting the death penalty that are put there by prosecutors. And, and his argument was because all these other innocent lives are being taken, then we should be able to kill babies in the womb. And I'm like, dude, that is such a false dichotomy. I'm like, why, when is a baby in the womb? I mean, if we're going to talk about law and crime, how has a baby in the womb ever committed a crime? So you're talking about you're mad because innocent men may die on death row because of a corrupt court system. And I was like, if, if a prosecutor intentionally gets a, a innocent man found guilty and sent to the electric chair for death, then that prosecutor should be put to death. And how do if we know that? Proven. God's word. And <laughs> But your reality is, is every baby in the womb is innocent. Yeah. So you're defeating your argument because you're talking about, well, well, some innocent life is killed, so we should be able to kill all innocent life. And I'm like, dude, that's just ridiculous. I'm like, when have you, would you ever kill a child for the crime of their father? Yeah. And he's like, well, no, I would never do that. I'm like, well, thank you. You've now defeated the uh, rape and incest argument for me. And he's like, well, I wasn't even going to go. I was like, you were going to get there. I just <laughs> wanted to get that out of the way first. I wanted to beat you to the punch. Right. Exactly. So it's like there's so many just ridiculous arguments. But to be able to turn people, I'm not going to be able to change. I can give you all the science. I can give you all the the statistics. I can give you all the arguments that are out there. I'm not going to change anyone's heart without the help of the Holy Spirit. And that can only be done through the preaching of the gospel, through regeneration, through repentance and faith, and through the sovereignty of God drawing men to himself. And And so we have to get to the gospel. You know, I've, I've said it for years, even, you know, before I became more reformed and I was more of in the charismatic, I mean, I, you know, pastored a, a basically a Pentecostal church, a vineyard church, but I still had issue with guys like Todd White and Benny Hinn and so on, because I'm like, you're preaching healing and stuff. You're not giving people the gospel. What good does it do to walk into Walmart and stand a guy up out of his wheelchair and let him walk away? If you don't give him the gospel, he's just walked off into the kingdom of hell with two perfect legs. Yeah. It has to have the gospel. Abortion ministry has to have the gospel. Yes. We want babies to live, but we want souls to be saved. We want moms and dads to repent so they don't want to kill their baby. So the Holy Spirit changes their heart and yeah. they don't want to murder their children. It all has to be there together. <laughs> Other mean, than that, I don't have any strong feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It's a dealing with the atheist is a catechism question when they claim that they don't believe in God. Well, how do we know there's a God? The light of nature and man. And the works of God plainly declare that there is a God, right? And that goes back to scripture. That's Romans 1, 18 through 20. We all know God is invisible attributes, right? It's it's seen in creation. And it's a catechism 
catechism question that our children get to learn and they get to tell the atheist one day, no, you know God because he's revealed himself in creation. You're without an excuse, right? (laughs) And we get to train up our children with those catechism questions to um, point them to the truth so they can spot a lie. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for my children because I've only been a Christian for 11 years. Mm. Um, and I only have started studying scripture in that time. They are starting out from early on. They're going to have this foundation and they're not going to know that uh, they're it's just going to continue to be taught to them and taught to them to well, where eventually uh, it's going to be such second nature to them. For me, I had to change my train of thinking around yep. and untrain myself. They're not going to have to do that. They're going to have this foundation. They're going to have this homeschooling and they're going to have the truth from the beginning. So one day, you know, it, my children, uh, two of them are professing believers. My other two are still pretty young, but um, they're, they're going to know the truth and it's God's going to change their heart or not but they're going to know the truth and they're going to have to knowingly walk away from the truth because they're not going to have been indoctrinated with all of these lies of the secular school system, the public school system. That's not going to be in the cards for them. So for them to walk away, they're really going to have to um, leave behind all of these things that have been put in place from the foundation. That's right. So do that to your children, right? Um, and you know, there's the arguments out there of, well, let's just let let just let your children figure it out for themselves. Why are you forcing religion on them? Do that with anything else. Uh, let your children feel their way through math class. Let your children uh, figure out how they feel about English. Uh, None of none of the, we don't act that way towards any other subject, but it comes to teaching our children truth. We're like, no, let's just let them figure it out for themselves. Don't pound religion into them. Uh, no, I'm going to give them truth because the world is going to look to pound lies into them. Think, think about this too, like in Isaiah 43:10, in the beginning of the the passage, it says, "You are my witnesses," declares the Lord, "the servants whom I have chosen, that you may know." and understand and believe that I am he. God cares so much about your children to know who he is that he gave himself up on the cross so that they can have certainty to know, believe, and understand who he is. So if you tell your children, just let them decide, you're already trampling the cross of Christ. Amen. And the second giving of the law, right? Deuteronomy, um, Moses giving that to his people before he dies. What did he want to remind them of? He said, teach this to your children, right? In the morning, when you go about the way at night, all day long, continue to teach this to your children so that they don't forget it. Bro, everything in the book of Judges is because they forgot the God who led them out of Egypt. And what does Jude say? It was Jesus who led them out of Egypt, right? The angel Mm. of the Lord was with them and they kept forgetting the God of their fathers and they fell into chaos and wickedness, and they searched and went after other gods, gods which were not real. And that will happen in our culture if we as parents don't teach our children the truth. Amen. And like you said, we've stopped catechizing our children. We've stopped um, 
with family worship. We've stopped a lot of homeschool. We've handed it over to the public school system to do. And the public school system is catechizing our kids. They're post-mill, bro. Oh, yeah. They're (laughs) post-mill. They are post-mill. They're they're looking at the long term. If we can get your kids, we we can get the culture. Right. And that's what we must change. We must pull our children from the culture that looks to tear down uh, the beliefs of Christ, right? The teachings of Christ. We must tear them down. And the way that we do it is we start from the foundation when our children are young, training them up, teaching them about the Lord and his ways and what he has done, who he is. And that's how we we advance, right? That's how we advance the kingdom. We not only go out into the world and make disciples, we make disciples in our home. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Andrew nailed it earlier because he made the comment about, you know, we, we've seen the changes in like the last 120, 150 years. And when you look back and correlate, that's the probably amount of time that people have stopped catechizing their kids, at least in the majority of the Protestant world, you've seen all these other offshoot churches that have have led to your seeker sensitive, your Joel Osteen's, your your Stephen Furtick's, all these weird things, because they've lost the catechism. They've lost that that foundational. This is what is true, and they're the ones that are going off, and they're just going off of feelings. Yeah, and you know, and we so we see it in 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 somewhat. Could could be partially orthodox churches. There are a lot of those that are just absolutely heterodox, heterodox and heretical. But you know, there are some even churches now that I would say fall into the world of orthodoxy. But they've got so much wishy washy stuff going on because they have no catechism, they have no foundation to stand on. Their feet are planted in midair. Yeah, they might be good life coaches, but they're terrible preachers. Yeah. Don't read the, wor- the don't read the word. Just listen to what your celebrity preacher says. Yeah, about football. Right. <laughs> exactly. How does this relate to my life right now? Without even talking about the Bible and your enneagram number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. Well, well, I think we've covered it pretty pretty well here. Um, we've given you some tools to bring back to your family. Um, take your kids out of public school if you can. Get them out of there because they are being catechized. Stop handing the job of discipleship of your children over to someone else. Do it yourself. Uh, there's nothing There's nothing more important than raising up your children and your family in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That is the first calling uh, as, a, as a husband, as a father. That is your first calling. That is your first ministry. If you're not doing that right, you shouldn't be involved in anything else. You're not allowed to be involved in the church. According to the the Bible, you're not allowed to be in leadership. Uh, right. You're not, you know, that's, that is the foundation, right? How do we find out if someone can be in leadership in the church? How are they raising their family? Because that will give, uh, that will show what, if they're ready or not. Um, Amen. So yeah, any any final words you want to say? Why don't you tell us, Andrew, real quick, where people can go check out Cultish? Because oh. I want people to listen to that as well. Yeah, you can go to any like uh, one of your podcast catchers. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can also go to thecultishshow.com. We've got all of our podcasts there. You can go to Apologia Studios. Even you can become like an all access member there. You can get our behind the scenes aftermath that we do. But you can also get 
all of our episodes there, right? And on top of that, all everything else Apologia does, that's great. Yeah, so if you love an in-depth look at cults um, yeah. or put the postmodern worldview or people who are, you know, falling after artificial intelligence or oh, yeah. aliens. Fringe topics. Fringe cultish topics. Cultish things and yeah. cults and cultish movements, right? Yeah, so if that's that's what you're into, go check them out. Um, they have an amazing following and uh, yeah, they have an amazing show. Uh, Norm, why don't you tell them about your shows where they can go check those out as well? I do like six different podcasts, so I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. And, uh, but you can find all of them either on the Evangelical Norm YouTube channel. Uh, that's where everything is, is in video form, or you can catch them all in, you know, wherever you get audio podcasts, Google Play, Spot, Apple, Spotify, wherever. There's uh, The Fifth Seal let me tell you, the master's dog, false teacher of the week, stupid things Jory Micah says, <laughs> and unsolicited. Those nice. are the, the six different podcasts that I do on a regular basis. And of course, Reformed Dads. So go be a Patreon supporter of Reformed Dads and join us in our book study and, and all that good stuff too. Because, uh, you know, the last, time, the last time the three of us were together on this, Andrew was in this chair and I was in that one. So That's it's right. kind of cool to be on the other side of things right now. Awesome. You know? Indeed. Interviewing him. It's very cool. Love it. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As we always say, surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Thanks for tuning in, and God bless. I don't understand, I don't understand. I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam. And we gon' start a one that's from up above. And they gon' know it's us by the way we love. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water. Family, family, family. Christ died one time for my whole family.